I I made a somewhat silly tweet earlier today that <laughs> no Trekkie responded to. Um, I I essentially said that it made me laugh to think about right now uh, in the current Star Trek timeline. There is somebody out there in the 24th century on Earth that is probably saying, Hey, 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 snake leaf every day. (laughs) What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody? Sit down, relax, have a rock to Gino, and enjoy yourself. This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast. It's the scrappy underdog of Star Trek podcasts. We are, yes, an independent Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors and my co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. Happy birthday, Heather, as we're recording this. Today's Heather's birthday. Thanks for joining me. And again, happy birthday. Thank you so much. Uh, This is the eve of my birthday and it makes it a wonderful day. We have a extremely fun animated episode hint hint (laughs) about what we're going to talk about today so i'm ready to get into it david it's going to be a good time so am i and i just want to say that i'm very glad that you did not hide your birthday the same way tuvok did and the way captain jane when he had to go on a deep dive investigation into starfleet intelligence to find tuvok's birthday so before we get in one more time and everybody out there make sure you wish heather a happy birthday so let's just get started with the new business if you're listening to the show for the first time we start with new business we start with old business and upcoming business and well heather is there anything new happening with star trek right now we have a new episode of star trek david new we star trek do. the 23 weeks of new trek has begun and we started with the world premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks on CBS All Access, the brand new animated series starring a quartet of four young ensigns aboard the USS Cerritos, the ship specializing in second contact. This was the first episode. We got introduced to the cast and crew of the Cerritos. And it was definitely something to talk about because, hey, we've got new Star Trek and it's in a medium that Star Trek has not touched in literal decades. So I know I certainly have some opinions, but I'm going to let the birthday girl go first. Heather, tell me. I would love to know what you thought about Star Trek Lower Decks. You know, going into the series, I I had some res- reservations because I'm not a huge... I mean, I've, I've watched animation and I'm not a huge adult animation fan. Uh, but the preview looked really fun. And that's probably where my overall opinion of the premiere was. Was that it, it's definitely not really my style of show. But I still enjoyed watching it. 
Like there were so many different little Easter eggs, which is something, and I know that's something like people find to complain about, but it's something I really love, especially in universes like Star Trek, is to see Easter eggs and references to everything that has come before it. Lower Decks is chock full of them. Um, to start out with the t- like, just the opening titles. <laughs> The opening sequence, the same next generation font, the fact that they actually had a title shot with the name of the episode in, which is something we have not seen in Kurtzman era Trek yet, uh, just gave you gave me all the nostalgia <laughs> of 90s Star Trek, and I loved it. Uh I love the concept of the Cerritos because I think that that's part of what makes the show is going to make the show so much fun is that it's about second contact. (laughs) So it's about all the mistakes you can make after you make first contact. Um, And the, the characters, I, I, I definitely, the characters are kind of where my opinion goes a little haywire because, um, my favorite characters were the two the two ensigns that were not really the feature characters. I think uh, Ensign Mariner and Ensign Boimler are going to be like the main two characters, and then the other so two ensigns. You were you were a big fan of Ensign Tendi and Ensign Rutherford. I was. I, I really enjoyed the two of them. Uh, Tendi just came onto the ship with this positivity, like she was in a new place and, and this was going to be a really good time. And uh, the combination of Rutherford nerves dealing with his Vulcan cyborg implant, <laughs> I don't know, that just connected with me somehow. Um, and And his detail to duty at the same time putting that above going on a date like I I could relate to that definitely so those two stood out to me as characters I really enjoyed Um, the other two are kind of the type of characters that annoy me (laughs) so uh, like I said it's a show that's not gonna be something that comes in at my favorite Star Trek of all time but it's a show that I still found things to enjoy in it even though it's it's not gonna be my favorite so what do you think David? So for me I enjoyed three of the four main characters very much uh, I saw Ensign Tendi in my immediate thought, oh, she's going to be the fan favorite, no question. <laughs> she is just the super excited fangirl that just loves all things Starfleet and the Federation. And she's just so happy to be there on the ship, even when it was doing something as grotesque as pumping a live human heart to keep someone alive. <laughs> no, she um, got to hold a heart. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that was gross and awesome. And welcome to Starfleet. And I love that. Uh, I think that Ensign Rutherford could be a really fun character. He he almost comes off as like the straight man who could also be kind of silly and has his own quirks going on. Uh, Ensign Boimler, I really liked a lot because he has that desire to be a great Starfleet captain, 
but he's still very, very nervous about being on a starship. And even though he's in a red shirt and is supposed to be on the bridge and learning about command and all of that stuff, he's still very, very scared of what might happen and what might go wrong. And he's a bit of a tryhard, and I respect that uh, as a tryhard myself. Now, Ensign Mariner. Now, on previous episodes of the podcast, Heather, I've said before that I'm not the biggest fan of Mike McMahon's previous show, Rick and Morty. Yeah. When it came to Ensign Mariner, I got all of the Rick and Morty vibes from her, and it was just a massive turnoff for me. And I liked ensign mariner in the trailers yeah but then she was that way the entire episode she was a hundred miles an hour fast dialogue very rick sanchez the entire episode and that really grated on me because i liked the overall story and plot of the first episode i think for a tv pilot They did a really good job in the first episode of introducing the characters, introducing their narratives, showing what they're all about. I think they did a really good job with the USS Cerritos. I think they really did a good job with the planet they were on and explaining second contact and showing how things can go wrong. I saw the B-plot of this episode with the planet and the giant spider hog as Uh something that would have been a very plausible plot line on TOS or Voyager to where they're just way out on the frontier. And that's the vibe I'm getting from the whole second contact thing, is that we are going to see aliens we have never seen before in Star Trek. And I think that's really, really cool. And the fact that it's an animated show pretty much means the possibilities are endless in that regard. So I think this show is going to have a lot of really cool B-plots. And if this were another Star Trek show, this would that would be an A-plot, and the Lower Deckers would just kind of be in the background. But in this case, it's inverted. Yeah. So I think the whole presentation of this episode was really, really good. I enjoyed it overall. But my main gripe is that, man, I really need Ensign Mariner to turn it down a couple of notches because... She might be a big hindrance to me enjoying this show. I'm willing to give it like I do with most animated shows and most anime that I do. I'm going to give it four episodes before I really decide how I feel. Uh, I gave episode one, in my mind, a C. Uh, It probably would have been a B or a B plus if not for Ensign Mariner. She really bogged it down for me. It was just a little too much. I like her to a point. I, yeah. I just I just want her to lower the volume just a little. That's it. Otherwise, I'm totally down for lower decks. I, I'm I'm enjoying the humor. I'm enjoying the comedy style. I'm enjoying what I wrote in my notes as deadly space action. I, I dug that. <laughs> 
because this is an action show and it's a half hour show because it, so it can be fast paced. Yeah. I, I dug it. I just really need Ensign Mariner to tone it down. And see, I'm interested in seeing uh, the dynamic and if that does kind of tone down since they revealed at the end of that episode that she's actually the captain's daughter. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, and her dad's an admiral. Yeah. So I, I I'm wondering to see the how that impacts her character going forward now that now that we've revealed that uh, speaking of the captain which we didn't even mention because the ensigns are the lead characters but i love the captain captain freeman right um yep. and voiced by commander, the great don lewis yeah and uh commander ransom who is voiced by jerry o'connell who is married to rebecca romaine who is our number one so we have two number ones in the family now uh that are married to each other on lower decks and strange new worlds and then also dr tiana which people are calling dr perlasky <laughs> ah that's great because I loved her. She's probably another one of my favorite characters. Just her gruff exterior. Um, I, <laughs> I just with thought the of a name for her. I just thought of a name. Rage virus uh, was so much fun. So Heather, can we call her Doctor Grumpy Cat? We can call her Doctor Grumpy Cat. Yes, because especially because I'm Team Crusher, <laughs> we can call her Doctor Grumpy Cat. I'm cool with that. That works for me. Um, but yeah, she she was fun. Like all of the characters on this show, uh, it is a comedy animated series, and the comedy is really well done. The gags are good. The comedy is good. It was a really good first episode, and I think it's definitely earned a few more watches. And another thing that I really like, it is after Star Trek Nemesis. So it is still relatively current uh, in relation to Star Trek Picard. Uh, it's yeah. a few years before that, but that's really cool. I think that's really, really cool. I like that we're moving forward. And maybe somewhere down the line, if things keep going, we'll see the Lower Decks characters somewhere in the future in, in a different place. So who knows? I, I think that there are some things to work on, but I think Lower Decks is looking pretty good. Definitely. All right. So, on to the old business of this episode. Now, uh, if, you're, if you've been listening so far, I, I had mentioned that in preparation for Lower Decks, I was going to watch something in Star Trek that I had not watched before. And that was Star Trek the Animated Series. Uh, this was the series that was made in 1973, uh, a few years after the cancellation of the original series. I really had no frame of reference for the animated series at all uh, before watching uh, earlier today. I watched about three episodes. So, Heather, I want to ask you, how did you feel about the animated series? What did you think of it? Um, well, you know, I kind of think of it as almost just like an extension of TOS, like it, it's season four and season five of TOS, <laughs> uh, except for they're animated. 
Um, I, I think it gave them the ability to do some adventures, uh, that like some things that they could do in animation, like, uh, have really out there aliens and things like that, that they couldn't or didn't have the money to do on the regular show. So in that aspect, it, it gave them a little bit of, a little bit more of creative freedom. Um, it's, some of the stories are just kind of downright ridiculous, though, <laughs> which is why when a lot of Star Trek fans talk about the animated series, it's not always in the best of light. But there's a, a few stories uh, that are really enjoyable and uh, are fun to watch. So it, it, it's another one of those that it's, it's not very drama filled. It's meant to be fun. I, I got that impression. Uh, it, it, what you said about it being an extended season of the animated series is something I completely agree about. Uh, in terms of vibe and structure and style, it is absolutely an extended Star Trek, the original series. It it feels like another season. Uh, it just happens to be animated, but most of the main cast is there, and it is... It's TOS. It's very TOS. The animation. Now, I remember what animation looked like in the 1970s. Uh, after the 1960s and, and before the 1980s, a lot of major animation companies really didn't put a lot of money or effort or budget into their shows. And when I was watching Star Trek, the animated series, my first thought was, oh my God, this is C-Lab. <laughs> and yeah, the, the animation, even for its time, even for the 1970s, the early 1970s, the animation for Star Trek the Animated Series was not great. Like, if you ever saw the original C-Lab 2020, yeah, it's, it's about as good as that. If not worse. If not worse. But I was willing to let that go because the storytelling was so solid on the three episodes I watched. Uh, the first one I watched was Once Upon a Planet where the crew of the Enterprise uh, was going on shore leave on a pleasure planet. And my thought was, uh, is this Ryza, but they just haven't figured out a name for it yet? And lo and behold, it was a pleasure planet where things start to go wrong. So, yeah, it's a Ryza goes wrong episode in everything but name only. Uh, I think that the half-hour pacing of the show really works for everything that they're trying to do. Uh, and it really makes a good case as to why Lower Deck should be a half an hour. Uh, I think that this was a really well-paced TOS episode, Once Upon a Planet. If this were an hour, there would have been a lot of filler and a lot of space to fill in. I don't think it would have been very good. Uh, the next episode, I think would have been a very good TOS episode. And when I was looking this episode up, Heather, uh, this is one that Gene Rottenberry wanted to do. He wanted to find a way to make Lieutenant Ohura 
have an episode where she would take command of the Enterprise. And I'm talking about the Lorelei signal. Mm-hmm. And this was the episode where the crew of the Enterprise uh, encountered a planet of women who begin draining the energy of the males of the crew to stay alive. So they have to, uh, well, Uhura has to take command of the Enterprise and save them. Uh, I thought this was a really cool concept. And when I read up on this episode, it was really, it really made me happy to see how much Gene Roddenberry wanted to do this episode and how much he wanted to do with Nichelle Nichols and how happy it made her to have an episode like this. And it really made me think of the question of what would a modern Star Trek episode look like with this, where it's this idea of the the women uh, somehow leaving the men incapacitated and the women of the ship and the crew having to take over uh, and and save the day, essentially. Uh, I would really be interested in seeing uh, a modern Trek episode like that, whether it's Discovery or Strange New Worlds. I'd really be interested in that one. Uh, but yeah, the Lorelei signal. Uh, we were just saying before the show, you really like this episode, Heather, so uh, tell me your thoughts on it. Well, this is hands down my favorite episode of the animated series. Um, it, it, it speaks to my bleeding feminist heart in so many ways, just to see uh, Uhura get the chance to shine, uh, to see Chapel as her number two, who uh, uh, Christine Chapel is one of my favorite characters of the original series, who doesn't get enough credit whatsoever. So I love this episode, um, and I think it's done very well. It's done in a way that it doesn't completely like demean the male characters uh, by making the female characters in a position of power, which could have very easily been different, uh, especially in the time frame that it was made. So I I think it's an incredible episode. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that that's very rare for the, the seventies to see an episode like that. And it, it's, it's something that's really special in the annals of star Trek, in my opinion. And you're right. Like if they did an episode like that today, there would be so many butthurt fanboys going, Oh, they canceled all the men. <laughs> Heather, can I say it? Can I say it? Yes. S- s- fuck that. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, 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 you know what, what would be the perfect show to have an episode like that on is Picard. Because I want to see hmm. Rafi, Seven, and um, Soji take command while the rest of the guys are incapacitated. <laughs> hmm. I think that would see, be incredible. I, I did say Discovery because I could see it. I could actually visualize that. And I said Strange New Worlds because I can absolutely see that with, number one, Rebecca Romaine. I can, I can see those. Now I'm with Picard. Like, I'm... Rafi, yes, because she was a commander. Yeah, I could see it. I could definitely see it. Yeah. Okay. 
I, like I'm just trying to visualize it in my head. But yeah, I could definitely see it. Uh, but when I was thinking about that, the idea of what that would look like today, uh, the closest thing I thought of was an episode of Enterprise. Uh, do you remember the episode of Enterprise, Heather, where uh, Captain Archer was given as a quote-unquote gift uh, a trio of Orion slave girls? Do you remember that episode? Yes. Yes, I do. And did. then they <laughs> came aboard the Enterprise, and then they proceeded to put all of the men of the ship under their spell. Yep. And then the the dude that gave Archer the girls was like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. The women are the ones who are in charge of this planet, not us. And I was like, <laughs> oh, plot twist, plot twist. Uh, and that's probably the closest we've ever gotten to something like that in recent years, isn't it? Yeah, that that's probably the closest. And 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 like even then, they still had to have a male character who wasn't affected by them. So because they had Trip, who wasn't affected by by the Orion women. So as much as it was similar, they they still didn't completely go there to a place where the women had to take charge so i think they need to go there again they really did not do enough with hoshi sato did they oh they that, really you know that is a story for an entire other podcast man <laughs> i i want to hear that story offline we'll talk about that when we're done i i want to hear this because i i will say right now they did not do nearly enough with hoshi sato or to paul for that matter but that's another story for another day uh the third episode that i watched was the survivor uh, and again, I thought this would have been a really good episode of the original series. And I think this one would have been a, a good one hour episode where, uh, the Enterprise had found a lost ship and a lost human named Carter Winston, who was actually engaged to one of the crew people, uh, on the ship. And I thought this was a really good story. This, uh, <laughs> I, I hate saying this now, but this felt like Star Trek to me, uh, because there was a plot twist where we discover that Carter Winston is actually an alien and the real Carter Winston died, but he was able to convey the message to, uh, the lady security officer, the lieutenant, uh, that Carter Wilson, Carter Winston, when still alive, uh, still loved her very, very much, but just couldn't come back because he was gone. And also, I, I think that throwing in the plot twist of the neutral zone and the Romulans uh, hiring the alien as a spy was really, really interesting. This was this was very Star Trek, and I really liked the Survivor. Do you remember this one, Heather? I now that you described it, I do. Yes, yes. So, um, I, yeah, it, it. But like I said, there, there's just some episodes of the animated series, and you picked three really good ones because there, the, there are some crazy ones. I promise you, in there. Uh, but you picked three really good stories here that definitely prove that the show is still Star Trek and it has its Star Trek values and it's it's Star Trek lessons and it's Star Trek morals to it. 
I I really think that there were a lot of things in the animated series that were really well done and that were very much in the vein of what the original series was trying to convey for the times. And hey, how about this? Even going from the late 60s to the early 70s, Star Trek evolved with the times. What a concept. <laughs> yes. And you know, an interesting point out because I, I mentioned how they were able to do so many different other aliens and things in the animated series. An interesting connection between the the first animated series and the lower decks is that uh and I'm not sure because she's not in every episode, did you meet the character of Mores. Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. She was. She was amusing. She rather amused me. So she's the very first Cation. 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 That was introduced in Star Trek and Doctor Tiana on Lower Decks. Doctor Grumpy Cat is also a Cation. Yep. So, so modern Trek has so many Easter eggs. Uh, I am amazed at when people say that the people doing Star Trek now don't appreciate Star Trek. It's, it's amazing to me because there are so many little Easter eggs that, that are just all over the place. So it's uh, like I've said, I'm looking forward to more lower decks. I definitely feel like there's potential there. And I'm not going to go too hard on Ensign Mariner. Uh, but one more thing in old business, something that came out a few days ago. Uh, production uh, from Paramount Pictures on what would have been the upcoming Star Trek movie that was uh, apparently going to be in the Kelvin universe, uh, directed by Noah Hawley, uh, has been put on hold. And that happened. And... I don't know. I'm, am I the only one that's just kind of looking at the Kelvin movies and saying a trilogy is enough? I, I think I'm good, especially now with how much Star Trek there is that is on television and streaming. I, I'm not really jonesing for another Star Trek movie. Uh, nothing against the, the cast of those movies. I, I liked two of them, but I, I just feel like, I feel like a trilogy is good enough. You know, I, I, I'm definitely on board with that. I enjoyed the Kelvin movies. I really enjoyed the cast. I, I think they did an excellent job of casting those movies to really embody uh, the characters from the original series that they were portraying. But we're in an era now where we have, like, the Kelvin movies came out when we didn't have any other Star Trek. Uh, we we had no other Star Trek in sight, so like the the universe needed and wanted those movies. But right now we have so much Star Trek that it's not necessary. I I think Paramount reached the point with the third Kelvin movie that they wasn't they weren't sure what they wanted to do with the franchise. And when they so when they started talking about a fourth movie, they went five million different directions and they had no idea what they really wanted to do with it. And like there's been so many different rumors surrounding that movie of uh first we were gonna bring back Kirk's dad and then we were gonna uh, bring in Quentin Tarantino, and then we were going to bring in Noli, 
Noah Hawley, which the third one I was really on board with, by the way. I like Noah Hawley. I think he could make a fantastic science fiction movie. It doesn't even have to be Star Trek. Someone let him make a science fiction movie for me, please. But I I think right now, like, we have Star Trek. We are filled to the brim with Star Trek. We got a lot uh, of Star we, Trek right we, now. We got so much Star Trek. We don't really need another movie. So yeah, that can go on the back burner for now. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay. Um, just I saw one internet rumor out there, Heather, and I'm, I'm just talking with between you and me now. Don't don't report this, listeners, anybody as legit. I saw a rumor that they might be talking about a reboot movie, and I was just like, why? Why? Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants a reboot. Nobody wants that. We already had one. It was fine. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's been rumor about a reboot. There's been rumor about a Kelvin Universe Next Generation movie <laughs> with an entire new cast uh, playing Picard and, and and Riker and Crusher and Troy and James Data McAvoy's and all gonna, them. I swear James McAvoy is going to try and find a way to get into a Star Trek movie. He's oh my try. gosh, there was an article with James McAvoy yep. saying he play, he wanted to play young Picard. <laughs> yep, he sure does. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. And, and I would love to hear from the, the, the rest of the merchants out there, our listeners. Uh, who would play young Picard now? Would it be James McAvoy or Tom Hardy? Who would be the one to play young Picard? Tom Hardy's too thick. It's got to be James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, well, he, that's my womanly wile saying that, but it's got to be James it, McAvoy. <laughs> I, I will say he's lost weight Christian Bale style for acting roles before. He has done that. He has. So, he has. So, yeah, but so, so, I, 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 I'm still team James on that. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. Everybody out there, let us know at Prom Trek Pod who who would, uh, who would play young Jean Luc Picard now today? Uh, would it be James McAvoy or Tom Hardy? Uh, let us know in the comments below. Uh, moving on to upcoming business because oh man, do we have a lot of upcoming Star Trek business. Uh, Heather, tell me and tell everybody else about the Star Trek Lower Decks T-shirt club, uh, because recently I saw uh, Shazad Latif uh, wearing a really cool Section 31 shirt that I wanted. So I'm, I'm trying to find that one. But tell us a little bit about the Star Trek Lower Decks T-shirt club. Okay, so I, for my birthday present to myself, since it's my birthday, so I can say this, I went and spent the money to enroll in the Star Trek's Lower Decks uh, t-shirt subscription. So it, it's something that is ob obviously being sponsored by Star Trek, but the t-shirts are being produced by the animation studio that made Lower Decks uh, called Titmouse animation and uh the whole idea of the club is that studio, for ev by the way fantastic studio the whole idea of the club is that for every episode of lower decks they're producing a new t-shirt uh you can purchase the entire subscription which is uh 10 t-shirts uh plus one subscription only uh t-shirt so 11 t-shirts for 180 dollars uh, but you have to, the subscription is only available until uh, 
episode two airs, so it's only available until Thursday the 12th. Or did I get that? No, that's Wednesday's the 12th. I think it's only available the 13th. Wednesday. Yeah, Thursday the 13th. So if you're interested in doing that, that's the info. Go on the website, look at it, um, it especially for 11 t-shirts. $180. It comes out to less than $20 a t-shirt. If you're in the U.S., shipping is free, so you don't have to pay for shipping. Um, I think it's a really awesome idea because if I can claim to collect anything when it comes to nerddom, I have a vast collection of nerdy t-shirts. So I jumped at the t- chance to get these exclusive t-shirts. They're only going to be available while the season is going on. They're going to be selling the t-shirts individually each week as well. So if you don't want to purchase the subscription, you have the week uh, after the episode airs in order to buy the t-shirt. But after that week is up, the t-shirt is not available anymore. So it's something you got to jump on right away if you want to purchase it. But I think it's an amazing idea. Um, It's something that Doctor Who did for their last season. Uh, They had a the BBC had an exclusive contract with Hot Topic here in the U.S., and they did um, exclusive episode exclusive T-shirts for each episode of the season of Doctor Who that you could only purchase for the week after. And then after that, they were gone. So um, it's a really neat idea, and I kind of jumped on wanting to support it because I would love to see uh, Star Trek see the support for this and move on to it with the other shows because I would jump at the idea of a t-shirt club for Picard or Discovery as well. Um, so yeah, I I just, I think it's an awesome idea if you guys love nerdy t-shirts as much as I do, check it out, sign up. Um, even if you don't want to do the whole subscription or you can't afford to do the whole subscription, they're $20 a piece available for each week after the episode airs. So keep looking into it. It's going to be really cool. I really love this USS Cerritos general purpose garment shirt. I just think that is so the right brand of comedy. And, and I just... I just love the the general purpose garment. Uh that that would go very well with my disco shirt. Uh also, uh, as you mentioned, if this does expand, I want a Paul Stamets Trust of the Math shirt. That's what I yes. want. <laughs> yes, definitely. So yeah, give us some t shirts. Give me that section thirty one shirt. Uh, it was like section 31 is watching and it was in black. And I, I was like, I need that. Uh, Shazad Latif was doing an interview talking about, uh, his first time encountering Star Trek before he took the role of Ash Tyler. And he was wearing this great sh- shirt about section 31 is watching. And that, that was just perfectly on brand. So I need three of those. So one for me, one for my sister, and maybe one for another friend of mine who's also uh, a Section 31 kind of person. So yeah. T-shirts. Uh, I would I would love a few more Star Trek t-shirts to go with my Gundam t-shirts. Absolutely. And the the USS Cerritos general purpose garment, that's good. That's good. I'm I'm looking forward to this because 
everything you see from the production crew behind Lower Decks shows you that they all have really good senses of humor. And they all really love Star Trek. And, hey, man, that that's really all we need. If you're funny and you love Star Trek, I'm definitely going to give you a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we hope you appreciate this podcast. We, we thank you for giving us a chance here at the Promenade Merchants. Uh, thank you all for listening. That's it. Not too long. Not not too tough. Uh, everybody, uh, follow Heather at NerdyGal33 on Twitter. Uh, I'm at CallMeDJM. The podcast is at Prom Trek Pod. Get us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all over the quadrant wherever RSS feeds are picked up. Look for it by name. That's the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We're a Star Trek podcast. We're the scrappy underdogs of Star Trek podcasts. And we thank you for listening. Walk with the prophets, my child. 